isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Vicki Connor. Together, we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And we are officially in the thick of winter here in the region as we see temperatures dip in Portland and the rain continues to dump down on us. Many are heading out to the mountains for their winter snow adventures. That's right, Vicky. And since neither of us are exactly snow sport enthusiasts, um, I think as longtime listeners know well, um, we had to bring someone on who knows a little bit more about it. So coming on today to tell us about some of their winter sport uh, ideas, enthusiasms, is our former co-host and Oregonian colleague, Jim Ryan. Jim, thanks so much for coming back on the pod. <laughs> it is my greatest pleasure to come back on the show, catch up with you both, and share my uh, enthusiasms, I think, for uh, winter sports and travel. It is, uh, as longtime listeners, really longtime listeners might know, something that I very much enjoy, uh, and it was always fun to compare and contrast the winter season activities uh, with my pal Jamie here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm I'm the the flatlander, rain rain like you know thick lush forest rainy day hike kind of person. The rain hat and the jacket. Um, Vicky, I know you're you know similar in this vibe, um, not or at least not in the the big mountain snow sports way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Jim, this is really your territory. I I know that in the winter I can call you up. And you can be, and I can say, what do you have going on? And you'll be like, all right, let's go. So that's what we're doing today. I called you up and said, what do you have for us? Um, and I'm super excited to find out what winter excursions you have in the works. Yeah, I've got a, a, a couple of fun things and I've got ski gear all strewn around in the, in the back of back of my background here. I don't know if you folks probably can't see, but I've got a helmet laying on the floor, some ski boots out. Uh, so like you said, in the thick of things here uh, this winter, but I, I have two in particular fun uh, fun items on the agenda, uh, one in February, one in March that I'm uh, really excited to, to share with you folks here today. Amazing. Let's jump into it. Um, what, what's coming up first? What's on the horizon first? Yeah, first up is a trip to are, are you folks familiar with the tilly jane a-frame on mount hood sure sure oh yes this was 
almost a Peak Northwest video episode, but some things fell through. So I want to hear more. It almost was. It almost was. And saved that idea, put it in the back pocket. And actually, uh, I, I was the recipient of a, a gifted stay to Tilly Jane uh, over an upcoming weekend in February. Uh, my partner, Emily, uh, gifted me over the holidays uh, a stay for two at the Tilly Jane A-frame, um, which for those who are not familiar is what it sounds like, uh, a historic A-frame cabin nestled in the woods uh, on Mount Hood near what I believe is uh, called the Cloud Cap Road. I, I might be slightly mistaken on the exact uh, proper noun name of the road, um, but is uh, a place that you can't drive your car to in winter, which makes it kind of a little bit enticing for me. Um, requires, uh, the stats say, 2.7 mile hike with about 19 Hundred feet of elevation gain um, from a snow park a little bit down the mountain. Um, and we're going to be able to stay in, in this really historic A-frame cabin, um, have a good dinner up there, hopefully stay cozy inside and out of the elements and get a little skiing in while we're at it. So I, I'm super looking forward to it and have wanted to go check out Tilly Jane for quite a long time, but have never actually made that happen. So this was a super wonderful gift um, for my partner and something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. That sounds so awesome. I, while I haven't stayed at the Tilly Jane cabin, I've stayed at the campground surrounding the cabin. And the one time I went there with my partner, Nick, we happened to be there on like this chainsaw party night where they basically <laughs> cut up a bunch of wood for firewood for the winter. It was like, you know, towards the end of summer that we went camping there. We didn't get much sleep because there were a lot of chainsaw action happening. Um, but yeah, they basically were just chopping up wood to provide for the cabin. Well, I'm I'm thankful for that in in retrospect because that is looking at kind of some of the information necessary. Uh, is they say you know don't basically don't abuse the firewood stash because once the firewood stash is gone, it's gone, mm -hmm. right? Uh, like that. So anyway, we will be mindful of that and we'll remember that and sleep soundly, hopefully, with no chainsaw action. Uh, uh, at least for the time being. Wow. No party like a chainsaw party, right? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Put that on a t-shirt, you know? Right? Jim, you said this is a historic uh, A-frame. What What can you tell us about the history? What do you know about that? Yeah, it's, it's funny you asked. Let me pull up some uh, information from the Oregon Nordic Club's Portland chapter, um, which now manages the A-frame. Um, which was built by the CCC, as were a number of other kind of Northwest institutions, uh, back in 1939, according to the Nordic Club, and was used kind of as a mountain retreat and as a base camp uh, in its early years, has had uh, many different caretakers over you know the decades since and has been, uh, my understanding, has had some improvements and some work done on it um, over the years. Uh, I, I once went up there and there was a, a construction project of some sort kind of underway. I think it might have been working on the, the shakes or, you know, shingle type deals um, that make up the roof. Um, it's a very 
cool, beautiful two-story structure. Um, I believe folks sleep on the upper story. Hopefully heat rises a little bit and that um, keeps us nice and warm. But they say essentially bring what you need for an overnight, you know, inside but camping experience, right? You're probably not going to be you know, wearing a t-shirt and shorts, you know, sitting around, uh, drinking a nice cold one, right? You're going to be probably looking for a, a warm beverage, uh, a nice warm meal, wearing a, a, a puffy jacket and, and some long pants inside overnight would be my guess. Never stayed up there. I don't know, but I'm prepared for a cozier night rather than a, uh, you know, nice, warm, relaxing situation there. So will not be your glamping experience of a lifetime happening, but <laughs> super cool nonetheless. Super cool nonetheless. I don't think it's a glamping experience. And that is in part from one one part that I, I haven't mentioned yet, uh, Vicky, which is that you can reserve as many spots as you would like uh, through uh, recreation.gov, a portal that I'm sure you folks have talked about plenty on the show. Um, but you reserve individual spots in a cabin that sleeps up to 20 people. So unless you and 19 of your closest friends are all booking for the same night, miraculously, it seems like that would probably be somewhat difficult to do. Uh, it's just two of us and there could be up to 18 others. So one of the materials I was reading said, bring earplugs because uh, you're sleeping with, you know, as many as 18, 19 other folks and, and who knows, uh, you know, how soundly you're going to be able to sleep with uh, any kind of chorus that's going on there. <laughs> so I imagine that there's some type of adventure getting to and from this cabin. So tell me about what you have planned as far as getting there. Yeah, that's a, a, a great question. So we're planning to park at Tilly Jane Snow Park uh, on Mount Hood. And... That's because the cloud cap road access gate is closed this time of year. So you can't drive up the mountain to the cloud cap in area in Tilly Jane um, area like you can during, say, August uh, in a normal year. So we're going to park at that snow park, have our little snow park pass on our dash, and we're going to ski tour, uh, at least is our plan, recreation.gov says 2.7 miles with a 1,900 foot elevation gain to the camp. So we'll load up a backpack a piece with, you know, some food for dinner, snacks for the day, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, no tent, thankfully, give a little bit of extra room in the pack. And just the things we need for a, a safe and hopefully reasonably cozy um, day out on Mount Hood. And to get back down, we'll ski either kind of somewhat back the way we came, uh, or we will go down the Cloud Cap Road or some version of it, which of course is, is covered in snow this time of year. So a, a little bit of a TBD plan, depending on what kind of conditions we encounter. But we do know that we'll be skiing up uh, from the snow park in route to the cabin. You said you want to do some skiing while you're there also. Are there areas around the A-frame that people do some skiing adventures? Yeah, you can kind of continue on up 
uh, I, I kind of need to make make us a little bit of a track to, um, you know, to follow. But yes, yeah, so you can continue on up toward kind of the Cooper Spur area, if you folks are familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a historic stone structure up there that's kind of a very natural visiting point, a natural turnaround point um, that have some nice, a little bit wider open slopes for skiing. Uh nothing overly extreme but to get there is kind of a a continual meandering through the forest Uh, i've been up once before in the winter time Uh, we'll map myself map us a a nice route hopefully but yeah we'd love to get up if if the conditions are hospitable and get a a view from that side of the mountain um, and, and, and get another get another little ski in before we head on out I love that. Get as much in as you can while you can. Um, you know, you mentioned bringing warm clothes, you know, sleeping bags, not a tent. Are there th- other things like that people should should pack for this kind of adventure that they might not think to bring along? One item for sure that probably a lot of folks aren't packing on a day-to-day ski trip is, well, maybe they should be packing on a day-to-day ski trip if, if you're out different times of year, but they recommend bringing a headlamp because this place does not have electricity. It has a couple of lanterns. Uh, one of the materials I read uh, says, but I'm thinking that we're going to be more or less responsible for, you know, making sure we can navigate the place safely and easily. Um, we're also going to bring probably a little camp stove and and pot to be able to make our dinner self sufficiently. Um, they do say they have some pots there, but that they are largely for gathering water from uh, a creek nearby, I believe. Again, I haven't been there yet, just kind of looking at different materials. Um, so I'm planning on trying to be as self-sufficient as possible, even though uh, when we get up there, we'll probably have a bunch of pots and pans that are there for our, our use and Probably we'll have uh, extra sources of light, um, headlamps or extra batteries or whatnot. But the plan would be to make sure we bring all of the things we need to be self-sufficient and comfortable. Um, and, and also, because it's not that long of a ski to get up there, maybe a little luxury as well. You know, maybe uh, a fun drink, maybe some nicer food. You know, we're not cooking out in the elements per se. So I, I think we're going to be able to hopefully... Um, add, add a little bit of fun to it by bringing, bringing a little luxury uh, up there as well. I was about to ask what would be on the menu for a trip uh, <laughs> cooking in the cabin because I think back to our camp meal with the, the huckleberry glazed salmon and like that mm-hmm. blew my mind, but I feel like you could really do, do something even more special at, at, uh, at a cabin. Yeah, I don't know that I'm ever going to top that huckleberry salmon i mean that was truly that was truly next level and when i went to recreate it in my home with a full you know full kitchen setup it wasn't as good as it was you can't yeah out in the back country so absolutely tough tough to touch there but i'm thinking a pasta dish might make sense because it's hearty but light Right, you can you can carry in pasta, and it, it probably isn't going to be too arduous, too much take up too much room in your pack. Um, maybe a, a half bottle of wine or something Ooh. to to add a little fun to the equation. 
um, you know, just to have something festive to drink up there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We are not, um, we're not huge. Like we don't have a signature cocktail or anything that we tend to make, but that would be a fun addition as well. Uh, and I'm sure too, it's a situation where if there are, in fact, you know, if it's a full cabin, there's 20 folks up there, I would have to imagine, uh, you know, different people are bringing different things to, to make the experience kind of uh, what they want. And I'm sure folks are more than willing to share and, and kind of make it a, a communal experience of sort. But uh, I'm really excited to check it out. I, I haven't done anything like this really that I can think of ever staying in a shared cabin like this with, with folks I don't know at all. Uh, so it, it should be really interesting. And I, I hope we uh, make some good friends up there, at least for the day. I, I'm sure you will. This sounds like one of those situations where people, like you said, just come together. People who love doing this kind of thing tend to, I think, get along. So I'm really looking forward to that for you. Um, you know, you mentioned that you did not make this reservation, um, that your partner did through recreation.gov. Are you aware of like how competitive or difficult it is to book uh, a spot in this A-frame? Yes, to a degree. She booked very far in advance because we were looking for, you know, a weekend date in peak season. And it's my impression that everything opens up as is somewhat typical for uh, for recreation.gov six months ahead of time, right? So you can hop on, if you're looking for a stay right now, you could hop on and be looking for, you know, spring into summer time dates, uh, early summer time dates. That said, if you just go on to recreation.gov today and look for availability and you're flexible on dates, you can find availability in the cabin as soon as several days from now. Um, as a matter of fact, we're recording on a Monday and the upcoming Wednesday, there are 18 spots in the cabin, remarkably. So for folks looking to get out, there are last minute availabilities and extended stretches where you could book multiple days in a row if you wanted to, but the days are limited. If you want to go out on a Friday or a Saturday, you're probably gonna have pretty slim pickings. I look as I kind of click through here. Um, we're going on a Sunday evening, for example, and that allows us to kind of enjoy all Sunday out there on Mount Hood, stay Sunday night, take a day off work on Monday, and make it a, a kind of relaxed experience. But TLDR, there is availability, but if you have specific dates you're looking for, hop in there ASAP and uh, snag them. Valentine's Day wide open for anyone who wants to spend that day uh, spending a romantic night in a cabin potentially alone. As as I'm as we're recording right now, and I'm looking. There's 20 <laughs> spots open in that cabin. So, I mean, hot tip. You know, check out the Tilly A frame. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I I feel like folks could either be like a, a partner could be very excited or very unexcited. <laughs> by that suggestion for Valentine's Day. Oh, can Day. you imagine? Like, <laughs> Thanks. Great idea. So you mean I need hiking boots oh in the winter and snowshoes and we're going to melt our own water from snow maybe? Or Yeah, that seems like not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but, you know, to each their own. Oh, that's right? a rom-com in the making. 
Um, <laughs> whoever's getting movies to shoot in Oregon, let's let's go. Let's make this happen. I mean, honestly, let, I mean, the Oregonian. Yeah, that's a, a business <laughs> offer waiting to happen right there. You could reality TV oh that action. God. I like it. Peak Northwest wow. spinoff. The real Tilly Jane cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. Well, the Tilly Jane cabin seems like such a fun time, especially for you and your partner, Jim, who like really enjoy this type of stuff. Um, but we're not just talking about that. Uh, you also have another adventure planned for March. Tell us what that is. Yeah. So if, if the Tilly Jane is kind of the, uh, rustic close to home, uh, interesting and different backcountry experience of the wintertime. Trip number two is, I would say, probably as much opposite that as possible. Um, so Emily and I are headed uh, to Banff in Alberta for a ski getaway, um, staying in a uh, hotel with electricity, uh, running water and beds, if you can believe it. Wow. <laughs> Fancy. The lap lap of luxury. Uh, but no, we are we are teaming up with uh, a couple of friends of ours, Allison and Frank, to go on a trip uh, flying from Portland to Alberta, uh, flying into Calgary for a uh, kind of a, a ski plus vacation. I'm drawing a little plus with my finger here because it... Banff offers great skiing in in the proximity with uh, a few resorts to choose from, but also a really fun and and somewhat magical, I'd imagine, winter scape, if you will, uh, with a a really cute downtown area, lots to see and do, and hopefully a a fun time that isn't just skiing, but also has uh, kind of some of the magic of, of visiting one of these mountain towns in the wintertime. I was just about to ask uh, how many times you've been to Banff before. Just one, but I'm really excited to go back. And uh, I've never been in the wintertime. I've seen pictures of kind of their, I, I don't know what the street name is, but main, you know, their main street area, their downtown strip. And it looks exceedingly pretty in the wintertime. And I, I feel like the energy of that town is going to be so fun, so festive. Uh, everybody there because they're, you know, wanting to enjoy the the beautiful landscape and uh, hopefully some good ski conditions as well. Now you said there's a number of resorts in Banff. Um, do you know where you're staying? What 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 where specifically you're going to be? Yeah, so we're going to stay at a hotel in Banff proper, which for the uninitiated is. A reasonably small town. I don't know population off off the top of my head, but think uh, you know everything you need as a home base, but not a lot of uh, you know. You're not probably going to roll through town and see a big box Walmart. Uh, you're not going to you know. It's not a a, a big uh, metropolis by any means, but a quaint ski town, mountain town. Uh, that has a fun strip of restaurants and shops and things to do. And then a collection of, at least using the, the ski pass that I've purchased for the winter, um, three, three ski resorts that are available um, for the pass that I've already paid for. So we're going from 
Thursday through Sunday. So only taking a long weekend, um, but four days seems like plenty. Um, we'll probably ski two days, maybe three days. If I can eke out a third, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but the, the process I think is reasonably approachable for folks traveling from Portland or the Northwest more generally. Um, we're flying uh, out of PDX with a stop in Vancouver quickly and then to Calgary. Calgary is still, uh, and I, this is off the top of my head, so it might not be exactly right, but roughly an hour and a half from Banff. And we're going to take a bus uh, called the Banff Airporter bus or shuttle um, that runs multiple times a day between Banff and Calgary Airport, um, making it so we don't have to rent a car. We don't have to stress about road conditions. We don't have to take the step of arranging our transport. I've already booked that bus, that shuttle. It's already taken care of. Um, and they seem very flexible and, and really good to work with. And I, uh, I'm excited to not have to deal with a rental car situation and then driving mountain roads that I'm not, uh, you know, not familiar with in the wintertime. That is so clutch. That is such an excellent idea that they came up with that. Definitely. Are you bringing your own skis on the plane or are you renting something when you get there? We are going to bring our own skis. I actually purchased from a, a homie off uh, Facebook Marketplace a ski travel bag. I've only flown with skis once before. I've always been kind of a, a local skier. Um, but I, I bought a, a travel bag off, off this Craigslist dude or Marketplace dude for a great deal, by the way. Uh, shout out to this guy in like <laughs> Oregon City for, uh, I think it was 40 bucks. I'm like, that's a good deal. Um but anyway, that, that fits fits two pairs of skis in there and we'll carry on our boots and just bring kind of a little, you know, a backpack uh, a piece, making it kind of a hopefully a low, um, you know, low on the coordination scale in terms of what we need to pack and what we need to handle. Um, but, you know, we'll bring our, our full ski kit of, of, you know, ski gear and helmet and goggles and poles and all that stuff. Um, a tip that was told to me when traveling while skiing is to carry on your boots onto the airplane rather than checking them. Because if you end up having to rent skis at a location or rent poles, that's not that big of a deal, but you really are going to be unhappy if you're having to work with rental boots, right? So we're planning to carry those on um, and hoping that it's a reasonably smooth experience. You know, winter travels always, uh, you know, always a bit in, or can be a bit interesting. Um, but we're aided by also once we get to the town of Banff, which is not directly where the ski resorts are, they're close by, but you, you still do need to, to get on the move to them. Um, they have a, a really good shuttle or bus system locally also. So we again, don't need to have a car and are able to use, uh, use transit. Um, either I actually don't know if it's private or public transit, but uh, that is going to be able to get us right up to the mountain, no problem. At least, knock out one. As far as skiing in Banff goes, what type of conditions or what are you looking forward to the most as far as skiing in Banff? 
Yeah, I mean, we we pitched this destination a lot for the vibes and skiing combo. Um, and I hadn't actually done a lot of research into the skiing itself, but uh, I was uh, talking with a friend recently who said, oh, yeah, you know, at Lake Louise, one of my favorite places to ski ever, one of my best days ever skiing this particular part of the resort. And I'm like, oh, right, here we go. I uh, I hadn't really done a lot of a lot of looking at what the actual skiing was like, but um, there are three resorts that that we have to choose from, at least that my my friends and I have um, already paid for on kind of conglomerate season passes. Um, Emily doesn't have one of the passes, but she'll just buy um, day tickets. And it's uh, I think the two we'll probably go visit are called Sunshine Village and something something Lake Louise. Let me actually just type that into the Google machine here and see what the proper noun name of the resort is. Um, the Lake Louise Ski Resort. I could have just ran with it as it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're going to go up to, to, to Lake Louise, um, which is a, a place that has just stunning views. And I'm sure folks have seen pictures of the summertime, the lake with you know, red canoes out in the lake and on, on the winter time, the lake freezes over and folks go skate out there. Yep. I'm going to make my crew go skate with me on the lake because come on, that's a Dylan folks. <laughs> Even if we don't all like skating, shout out to somebody in the group who shall not be named. Um, we're going skating on Lake Louise. Uh, I think we, we need to make it happen. Um, her partner may or may not have once almost cut her finger off ice skating, uh, but we're, we're doing it. We're venturing past our fears and we're going ice skating on Lake Louise. So anyway, uh, it should be really fun. And we're going to leave everybody with uh, 10 fingers intact. Yeah, all digits intact, please. <laughs> Such a Michigander move to move to force your friends to go ice skating on a lake with you. There's already been that. discussion, already <laughs> been discussion around this. Absolutely. Um, and there might be some trade-offs wow. that are, you know, some bartering that's in play. Uh, but I, I, I'm pushing for ice skating on the lake. I, I think it's kind of one of those storybook moments that when given the opportunity, you do it. This is iconic, probably more iconic than the skiing <laughs> experience is the skating on Lake Louise. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and, and hopefully doing it with a, a full crew for everybody smiling and happy. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you hear it, you heard it here first. Ice skating on Lake Louise, more iconic than skiing at Banff. Jim Ryan, you're out here setting trends as usual. Um, wow. Super excited <laughs> for both those trips for you. Um, but, you know, the last thing we wanted to talk to you about was since you're like our, like, you know, go-to ski guy, snow sports guy. Um, there's been a lot of talk this winter about the snowpack here in the Pacific Northwest, particularly about it being not great. Um, of course, we, you know, as we're recording this, we're getting a bunch of snow up in the Cascades right now. But I'm just curious, Jim, you know, off, off, off the cuff, like what is, what is your take on this, the snow, snowpack this year? Yeah, I mean, it has been a difficult year so far uh, i pulled up uh the oregon snow water equivalent map something i used to refer to all the time at the oregonian um, and had to actually double take for a second what to type into google in order to pull it up um, but right now the area for mount hood 
uh, is at 46% of its snow water equivalent, which is roughly translatable, I believe, to snowpack for the year. So it has not been a good start to the ski season on Mount Hood in terms of actual snowfall and and snowfall that has remained in the snowpack, um, literally speaking, snow water equivalent. Anyway, um, I need not bore you with the technical details that I myself fully don't understand. Uh, but we are turning on the faucet as we speak. Um, we're recording on uh, Monday, January 8th, and are in the midst of a, uh, a, a pretty powerful winter storm that has uh, made ski enthusiasts jump for joy. Um, I, I didn't actually jump, I don't think, but I am quite joyful over the amount of snow that we've gotten <laughs> over the past several days. Um, I, I skied three out of four, yeah, three out of the last four days, uh, Sunday, Saturday, and Thursday. Uh, that made me quite happy. I'm looking forward to hopefully, fingers crossed, keeping more snow coming uh, over the coming weeks and months. Uh, we are in an El Nino year. I'm sure you folks have reported about that aplenty. Um, generally speaking, that causes some concern for Northwest skiers. But in all honesty, uh, Vicky, Jamie, I I only put so much stock in those long term, uh, you know, long term outlooks and try to make the most of what we have. And right now it's a, a low snowpack that is growing, uh, hopefully uh, every day here throughout a, a really good storm. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I feel like that's the, the thing we see is every year is like this early season panic when it doesn't quite go right or there's a big rainstorm, but you, you can never know how good of a, a year it, it is for snow until the end of the year, right into the end of the season. Um, you know, because all it takes is one really good storm to come through. And all of a sudden that, you know, really tough start is now a great ski season, but you just don't know until it happens, um, whether that's going to be the case. So, I mean, you know, how, how much do you panic, you know, in that first part of the year when you're seeing those, those low snow totals? I try not to put too much weight on, you know, that early November, December, early January time of year, in part because I'm usually traveling a little bit at that time of year. And while I love to see the snow pile up, I'm only going to get out a couple of times early in the season, which is probably the situation that many of the folks who like skiing and are listening to this show are in. You see that they'll manifest when everybody wants to get out at the same time when it does inevitably, hopefully, you know, start to snow in the new year. And that results in crowds and that results in long lines and folks who like to ski at ski areas just simply have to say, Hey, you know, put a smile on everybody likes to do this. You know, so many people like to do this kind of thing. And so many people like to do this kind of thing at the same places. And we all just need to work together to make this as seamless of a, you know, seamless and fun of an experience as it can be for everybody. Um, but I really try not to put too much weight in, you know, a projection, an outlook, uh, individual, you know, month or two of time. Because like you said, Jamie, it only takes one storm, a couple storms to change, uh, change the situation there. 
And I'm just hoping for not only for the sake of winter sports enthusiasts, but also the sake of our snowpack and everything tied to it, that this winter does continue to turn around. Um, like I said earlier, I, the, the January 8th uh, snow water equivalent for the hood at Sandy and lower Deschutes area is still 46% um, of its median from 91 to 2020. So things are not looking great yet, but hopefully they're on the up and up. Whenever I'm walking my dogs in the morning and it's downpouring rain and like freezing cold, I think, ah, the skiers must be so excited because the mountain (laughs) is getting toused with snow. I always try to think rain down here means snow up there. And if it's not always literally true, it helps me. It helps me mentally deal with the like, all right, I'm walking to the gym and I'm doing it with a baseball cap on and my hood up. Uh, because it's, you know, it's not super nice outside right now, but hopefully those freezing levels, you know, stay, uh, stay, stay good. And, and we, we keep getting snow up in the mountains, both for the sake of, of winter sports enthusiasts and for the state of the snowpack, which is more widely affecting than whether folks like me get to go skiing, uh, on a given day and do so, uh, in, 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 in ways that make us particularly psyched. So Keep it coming, folks. Keep the snow falling. <laughs> well, fingers crossed for more snow for skiers and for your trips up here to Mount Hood and to Banff. Um, sound like a couple of really great adventures. Um, really happy to have you back on here, Jim. Um, good luck with those. And, and thanks again for coming on to talk with us today. Always a pleasure. I love catching up with you folks. Uh, Peak Northwest has a particular soft spot in my heart and, uh, I'm so glad that that you folks are keeping it going better than ever. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Well, folks, until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel, as well as HereIsOregon.com. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast, as well as our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Also, if you're a fan of the show and you're interested in potentially sponsoring it, you can get in touch with our marketing people at advertise at Oregonian.com. This episode of the show is produced by me, Vicki Connor, alongside Jamie Hale. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.